0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: thanks for downloading this podcast from love sport radio for more go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts news and views or for more follow us at love sport radio on twitter Hello and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World as well. It's a show for the midfielders, really. We've got names flying around. We're going to be talking Pablo Fornals of Villarreal. We're going to be talking, of course, Morgan Sanson of Marseille. But let's start a little closer to home with one who West Ham have already signed and Jack Wilshere. Not the best start to life in East London.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to say it was it was surprising, but it's not really. Uh, and that's no disrespect to Jack. Obviously, he's had his, he's had his injury problems, and we kind of knew what we were getting when we signed him. I, personally, I was quite quite excited when we got him on a free. You know, he's a good player. He had a, he had that injury free season with Bournemouth a couple of years before, and I thought, oh, do you know what? If we can keep this guy fit, then it'd be a, be a strong strong signing. And you know. He came out like a lot of players do and go, oh, yeah, I'm West Ham through and through. And it kind of it, it kind of made a lot of fans warm to him a little bit. But that first game against Liverpool last season, you know, we lost 4-0 away and it, clear, it was obvious that he didn't really fit into to that midfield. Obviously, Declan Rice got hooked at half-time and everyone, everyone was wondering how it was all going to work. And then he gets injured and it all just sort of fits into place. And then he turned out to be the full guy a little bit, you know. West Ham's midfield starts to play starts to play some good football, and Jack Wilsh is injured. You know, there's no coincidence. But um, I think that you know, if we can keep him fit, then he can he can actually play play an important role role in the team. You know, and he came off the bench against Newcastle away, didn't he? And he set up that that third goal, and that that showed what he can do for us.
2: It's not bad for a season, is it? No, I know what you mean. I just. I think, and it is easy to be automatically pessimistic sometimes, and with uh, with a claret and blue shirt on or a claret and blue head on. But the one, the one with Wilshere, it, there was a reason Arsenal were getting rid of him, wasn't there? There was never any doubt about his ability, but they'd obviously decided that his his fitness track record wasn't something that they could contend with for much longer. And it did scream. We talked about it last week, weren't we? With um, with Nasri and other players that West Ham have signed in the past. There is almost that that idea of like a classic West Ham sign-in, isn't there? Yeah. And it did scream that, I thought, when he signed up. Because, so look, you know, someone that he's he's played for a big six club before, someone who's obviously had that proven ability at one time in their life. And you touched on it there about the Bournemouth uh, spell that he had. And although he did play for them, it still was Bournemouth, wasn't it? And he wasn't like, he didn't look horrifically out of place, did he?
0: He didn't, but at the same time, you know, over the last couple of years, and I suppose this is this is the damning thing about sort of West Ham over the last few years is that we've we've been at Bournemouth's level, so and and that's the honest truth of it, and no one can really deny, you know, deny otherwise. So you you bring a player like that in who's had a solid season at Bournemouth. Okay, he went back to Arsenal for a year, and he had his injury problems again. But you felt that you know if he can come into a team. And play consistently that's been at the same level as Bournemouth, then he can make a difference um and Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but you know there's no doubting that he's got the got the ability um you know Arsenal fans will tell you he's got the ability we've seen him do it for Arsenal um if he can get some consistent games under his belt, and you know the fact that we're hearing that Pellegrini and and the coaching staff see him as an important part of that team then there's clearly something there that, that that Pellegrini sees and the coaching staff see, and you know the players clearly love him as well. I think he's got a bit of a loving with with your favourite player as well, Masuaku. We saw him, them a bit of an Instagram loving only a couple of weeks ago. They were saying how much they loved each other, so the, the, the players love him as well. So, you know, if he can stay fit, then happy days.
1: Obviously, a talented guy hasn't had the year that he would have hoped for, or that anyone else certainly related with West Ham would have hoped for. And he's a man who gets a lot of stick for it. He's constantly called Jack Wheelchair. There are comments made about his injury proneness, partly because there was so much expectation placed on him. He was meant to be Gaza by now. And he's, he's nowhere near that level where he's come out today in the press. He's talked to the Sun and said that one of the reasons why he hasn't been recovering from injury as quickly as he could have been and why he's been struggling both on and off the pitch is because his son has been unwell. This is in particular back in 2016-2015. He picked up an injury in training, in that way Arsenal players always seem to. Uh, and he said he was supposed to be focusing on his rehab, but he in a sense, didn't care about it because his son started having seizures pretty much every day. Uh, and there are really moving quotes here from Wilshire. It, so he's saying that the seizures happened maybe three or four months every single day. There were times when in the middle of the night I'd be rushing to hospital. Me and my wife would sit up most nights because most of the seizures were happening at night. I just forgot about football. I remember saying to my wife, I just can't do this anymore. Do you think... This explains it for Wilshire. Is this an excuse or actually sad that his son's ill but he's still not done the business?
2: No, no chance, no chance. If anyone if anyone points at someone like that and says that's an excuse, I think that's disgusting. Because in any other line of work, you if you know, if I was working for James, for example, tomorrow and I went to James and said, James, my my son's had a had a fit and this is what's going on in my personal life. And James wasn't understanding or didn't accept that my professional performance would drop a bit, whatever line of work you're in, mm. that sort of thing, and will, would should and would always surely take priority if you're working for any sort of reputable employer or person.
0: And it's not the sort of thing that you you kind of just make up, just It's <laughs> well, clearly not that's, making that's it not, up. He's he's not, definitely not making it up. And you know, obviously, no one knew that knew about that until he came out and said it. And I think you know, hopefully. A lot of people will have a lot of sympathy for his situation, uh, and understand that okay, perhaps that didn't play a part in him con- constantly being unfit, never being able to recover from injuries, always getting recurring injuries, and you just hope that you know now, now it's out in the open, that you know we can start seeing the best of Jack Wilshere.
2: And he said he said mentioned in as well that thankfully his son's good now and that you know because of the doctors and the specialists he's he's good and he's under control and his son is now in a position where he wants him to come back and he's saying isn't he in the piece that he wants to come back not just for himself but also for his kids so they can see him play and play properly I Mm. think which is which is nice but yeah there's no way in a a thousand years that should ever be the excuse card should ever be thrown at him it's a reason not an excuse.
1: Do you think that we forget that footballers are human beings? An argument that consistently gets made is well, for 150 grand a week, I'd expect them to never drink alcohol, never have any focus other than football. Do you think we're unaware that actually, just like anybody else, these guys can have problems at home?
2: Absolutely ridiculous argument that, and I feel really passionately about that. And I've been talking about it for quite a few weeks, and there's a lot of issues that have come up. And no, I think it's vital that we don't forget that. Although there's human beings with slightly, you know, a little bit more money. Well, quite a bit more money. Exactly. But... <laughs> but but what what problems can the money and the fame often bring? Because you see it not just in footballers, but in men, like massive high, high-flying celebrities and pop stars. All right, they might then have the resources to help with those problems when they come. But I'm sure a lot of the time if you've got problems at home, that I'm sure we've all had at some point in our lives, you've got personal problems. If you've then got cameras and newspapers and radio people, media giving their opinion and the spotlight and the scrutiny of millions of people is on you every single week, that's only going to make that sort of thing far, far worse, isn't it? And I, I think that you can't forget that. And it's only really in the Premier League... That it applies to where the money's silly as well, isn't it? But I, I, I think it makes
0: it worse. I completely agree with you. Uh, I've never understood the whole. Oh well, you know, I don't really care. You're one hundred and fifty grand a week. You know, you know, you should be alright. and It's like, well, no, that guy's just as human as you are. Mm. He has, you know, he has the same you no know, feelings as you do. Um, doesn't matter how much he earns a week. Doesn't matter how much, you know, how much he's in the papers. You know what he does for a living. And you know, unfortunately, given football being a sort of working class sport that it is, you know, and you know, society. In general, there is that sort of that that view from the working class that anyone with a little bit of money, you know, shouldn't moan, you know, aren't aren't as human as they are because they haven't done a day's work in their life. You know, that's g- generally the 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 viewpoint from a lot of working class people, uh, and that then filters down into the football side of things where someone's there sitting there earning two hundred grand a week is always injured. la like Andy Carroll, Jack Wilshire, you know, they take it, you know, they have a personal pop at these players when you know these players are going through their own problems whether it's just injury or whether it's personal problems with their son or daughters you know
1: No, it's important that we do remember that they are, of course,
0: human. Of course, all
1: of our thoughts go to Jack Wilshere. Good that his son is feeling better, but you would have to say that even so, West Ham are not going to put all of their eggs in the Wilshere basket. They need a midfielder, and could one man to solve their midfield problems be Pablo Fornals of Villarreal? Coming up, we'll be asking Spanish football expert Ewan... This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and Will Pugh and James Jones of West Ham World. And I'm delighted to say that we are also joined on the line by Ewan McTair, Madrid-based football journalist who works with Marca and La Liga Lowdown. Good evening, Ewan. Thanks for joining us. We're zooming in on Pablo Fornells here and I'm hoping you can offer us a little bit of expert analysis. Let's start simple. Where does he play? Is he a 10? Is he a winger? Is he a central midfielder? He seems to do all of those things.
3: Yeah, you wouldn't start simple, but you'd probably ask the most difficult question. <laughs> he thinks his coaches at Villarreal, and he's had many because Villarreal has been um, a bit of a mess in the past few years. His coaches have played him in all kinds of positions, and that probably speaks highly of him because he's the player that can adapt. He's the one that can get squeezed into a position that maybe isn't his most comfortable to make way for other players that have to play in a certain role. So he's the one that's had to sacrifice, I think, in the past few years to play all over the midfield. But his natural position is a number 10 if he can play in that kind of role. And I think if he does come to West Ham, the thing that they really need to sort out is give him a defined role. This poor guy has been moved all over the place for the past few years. Give him one role and let him develop, play several games in a row in one position because when he does get that chance, he can be really special.
2: Ewan... Uh, Villarreal finished fourteenth in La Liga this season. Uh, you know, not ripping up trees by any stretch of the imagination, and mm. I think only seven points or so outside of the outside of the relegation zone. Is he? Has he stood out like a sore thumb? Is he the sort of player who you know he, he definitely shouldn't be at a team finishing fourteenth in La Liga anymore?
3: No, I mean, to be honest, this has probably been his worst season at Villarreal. As a collective, they've obviously not been as good as...
2: That sounds great. the perfect <laughs> time for West Ham to sign him, then.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to break that to you. Um, yeah, this is probably a perfect time as well for Villarreal to, to move him on, I think. I don't think they'll be too sad to lose him this summer, whereas in the past couple of summers they wouldn't have wanted to see him go. Villarreal as a whole were, were a bit of a disappointment this season. That's clear by the, the league position you just mentioned. And Parnas was part of that. He wasn't uh, an exception to the poor form of the whole team. He was a part of that. He didn't play uh, as many games as he had in recent seasons. He came on as a substitute a lot more than he has. Um, he didn't really play for one of the coaches that was there during the season. So it's not been his best year at Villarreal. But he is only 23. And I think we can put that down to one bad season rather than uh, a general slump in, in his overall game.
2: If uh, If we are to... To snap him up, whether or not he's, um, yeah, he's had his worst season or or not. Twenty four million, twenty five million seems to be the sort of money floating around. Obviously, the classic cliche of in today's market, whether that's good money or not, is is that you know would be, be would it be a, a bit too much of a stretch to to be paying that sort of money for him?
3: No, I don't think so. I mean, it's hard to know because by the time I finish this sentence, he'll probably be worth another half a million. That's the way the market is these days. So it's, it's really hard to know. I mean, uh, if it keeps going like it is, then yeah, that's a great money, uh, a great amount of money to be paying for His release clause is €33 million, euros, and it looks like he'll be going for, as you say, yeah, about €27 million, euros, a little bit less than that in pounds. And Villarreal, when he said that, probably thought it was very high. Now it's probably about the kind of price that he is worth. And yeah, if West Ham can get a deal over the line for just under what, Contractually, he would have to go for in the release clause, then that's got to be a bit of good business. And yeah, I think a a good move for all parties because Villarreal won't be too uh, sad to see him go because they need the money. The player would probably like a new challenge, and West Ham will be getting a decent player for a price that's probably uh, about what he's worth.
0: You and West Ham fans love a uh, a player that they can really get behind and and fall in love and and turn into a bit of a, a cult hero. You know we've seen Paolo Di Canio in the past, yeah. Dimitri Payet. You know at the moment it's you know Arnie uh, Arnautovic to an extent, Manuel Lanzini. You know, is it, Fornells a, a type of player that you know will bring that kind of excitement to to West Ham fans and you know perhaps get himself into that kind of bracket?
3: Yeah, I think he's the kind of player that he's going to stand out. When you watch a game, you can you can tell when he's on the ball because he's on the ball all the time. So he's the kind of player that is very active on the pitch, kind of player that is really involved on the pitch. Off the pitch, he's, he's not going to be a, a Dicanio, but then few people are, to be honest. <laughs> um, he's uh, more of a quiet guy. He just gets on with his business. Uh, but yeah, on the pitch, he's the kind of guy that, you know, will take responsibility, will ask for the ball. And yeah, the kind of player West Ham fans can, can get behind off the pitch. Maybe he's not going to become the sort of cult icon that other players have that uh, also bring that sort of character. But yeah, definitely a likeable player and one that if he you know, arrives and does well, then you know, there's going to be one that people are going to love and want to buy the shirt.
1: You and how good can he become?
3: I think that's an interesting question because that's the thing. How good can he become? He's only 23. We have to remember this. Uh, he's been around in La Liga for a long time, uh, since 2015 really, when he was at Malaga and really broke through and, and then went to, to Villarreal in his first season there. He got 12 assists, was a uh, joint top assist. Uh, provider in the league and everyone got really excited about him. Maybe he's dropped off a little bit, but yeah, he's just 23, only turned 23 in February. So a young player that's still not reached his ceiling. So yeah, I think he can become really good already. He's played for Spain, uh, I think it's about 11 or 12 times. um, And that's when he's still a youngster. So he can get better, he can mature, play in the Premier League. I think he's the kind of player that can adapt to the Premier League. And yeah, we haven't even nearly seen uh, his peak yet.
1: Ewan, it's been lovely to speak to you. Thanks for giving us the inside line on Pablo Fornals. Ewan McTier there, who is, of course, a Spanish football expert who works for the likes of Marca and La Liga Lowdown based in Madrid. Interesting take on Fornals. Does he sound like the kind of player that West Ham need? I think
2: he does. I think one of the things that we'll we'll touch on in a little while is what, what does that mean for Manuel Lanzini? Obviously, he sounds like, uh, I think that's a similar style of play. He's a short, low centre of gravity. Sounds like he likes to get on the ball a lot as well in a similar vein to Lanzini. And whether or not, I know there's all this talk about Pellegrini wanting to play a really attacking, broad, open style of football next season, which is promising. But can you have two number 10s on the pitch? There's very few teams that can do that, isn't there?
0: Yeah, there is. You know, I'm, I've just, I've just been having a fit through Twitter, and you know, it's just been, it's currently breaking at the moment that uh, apparently the club have offered Lanzini twice his money, and he's, uh, he's unsure whether he's going to accept it. Who's he being linked with? I mean, where he hasn't is he being linked with anyone? So where is the grass greener? But, Argentina, but this, by the this, I think, it. I think at the moment, the, the the general feeling is that he, he, apparently, he, he, he doesn't want to accept double his money because he feels that he should be nearer the higher earners at the club and doubling his money doesn't put him there. Where does his money doubling his money put him roughly?
2: I think he's on around the seventy grand a week mark at the moment, I believe. So it puts him up to the hundred and forty which... Poor
0: boy, how will he live? And uh, yeah and uh, it is madness really that still isn't I think I mean if the... it's true then it's crazy.
2: I think Annette, uh sorry, Anderson and Anoutovich are the, the two top earners at the moment, I believe. Both
0: of which could leave the club.
2: Well, I mean, Arnautovic more so. Anderson, I'd be surprised. But in terms of salary that you're talking about, then he's yeah. That would if it's double that would put Lanzini on around the 140 grand mark. Whereas Anderson and Arnautovic, I believe, are in the north northern echelons of the 160 to 70. Yeah. Mark. yeah. So
1: hang on, hang on a minute. Is Lanzini getting annoyed because he feels he should be getting paid more money? Or is he not signing a contract because he's wanting a move? I,
0: I I see this as classic agent, because you know Lanzini's never, so far in his West Ham career, has been that guy that's gone. You know, I want all the money. I want all the money. You know, he's earned the contract extensions that he's got up to this point. He will know that he hasn't done enough over the last twelve months to warrant, you know, being a top earner at the club. But that's only because he's been injured, and he had that long injury layoff. He missed the World Cup because of that, that ACL injury, and that's not anyone else's fault. That's not his fault. That, you know, it's just a freak injury that happened. So therefore, if he wants to be earning 160 and 170 grand a week, then he needs to put put those performances in for, uh, performances in over the first half of the season, and then perhaps the, then the club can go at Christmas. All right, it is 170 grand a week if that's what he really wants? We don't know whether there's a lot of truth in it, but this is the reports coming through. So. You know, perhaps Fournau's coming through or, or, or coming into the club paves the way for the club to go, you know, to the likes of Liverpool because he has been linked with li- li- Liverpool in the past. I don't think he's do, good enough. Do, do you want Manuel Lanzini? Um, you know, but I, I mean, if we do sell him, you know, that's, that's 40, 50 million quid. Min. Minimum. minimum. If we Because he, ex- he is a very good footballer.
2: If we accepted 40 million for Lanzini, I'd be furious. But one thing that's always struck me that's really interesting, it's quite a little niche little thing about Lanzini, is if you go on his Twitter bio, it says, and you'll forgive my Spanish for a bit, but it's ex-jugador de River Plate, Fluminense y Al Jazeera, actualmente and West Ham United. Currently. Exactly. Which means, and he's always had that, currently at West Ham United, is what that means. And I, I've always I just thought... for now. <laughs> exactly. And listing your old clubs as well, and he's all, he's always spoken very publicly about his love of of river plate um and you know he's obviously from buenos Aires. that was his that was his boyhood team he supported them, then played for them before he before he moved on to um to new pastures and those those are some of the whisperings I've been hearing that it, he wants to he wants to go home he's got a young kid as well, isn't he and although he's only a young lad himself, he has got a young son and there's you hear that a lot from the argentinians don't you that the culture and all that in England is quite different. Sergio Aguero's one. I think his family are still back in Argentina. Tevez had a hankering to go back there, didn't he? And it seems like Lanzini is as well. So whether or not it is money, I think if there's 20 grand in it between him and the higher earners at the club, I don't think he can complain too much, given his injury record from last year anyway. But he's he's always struck me as someone who always saw his career not being at West Ham for a long long time and i think if it wasn't for that injury he he got last year i think this summer his plan would have been to have one more season of being by far the best player at the club and then this summer right bang i'll have my big move now thanks i
0: reckon i reckon had he not been injured he would have shone at the world cup at half a good season at West Ham, he would have been gone in January. Mm-hmm. And I, I genuinely believe that that, that that would have been the case. But, you know, he spent, you know, I think he only played 10 games last season. Within the last season. You need, you need a good solid six months under your belt, playing well, consistently well in the Premier League, before you can even justify a huge double your money pay rise or even more than that. Um, so, you know, if, if these reports are true, you know, someone needs to get in his ear and go, mate, you know, keep your feet on the ground. Well, let's end where we
1: began with Pablo Fornals. If he comes into the club, is he coming in to play alongside Manuel Lanzini, or is he coming in to replace him?
0: Well, it's a strange one, and, and Will, you and I were talking about this earlier before the show, and that you know I, I don't know where he fits in this in this system. You know, we're, we're led to believe that Pellegrini and Huchelosa, uh, uh uh, targeting players that can really allow us to play the, the attacking sort of slick, you know, nice football that you know we 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 showed glimpses of last season, but in a more consistent consistent way next, and for now seems to be the player that can sort of boost boost their chance of doing that, but. A lot of fans will be like, "Well, you know, where's Lanzini fitting all this? You can't play two number tens."
2: Well, that's that's the thing. I've just read uh, something quite funny on Twitter as well. Actually, one of the replies to to the um, Lanzini talk, and someone said, "Stay for a front, stay with a front five of Anderson, now's Lanzini, Yarmolenko, and Arnatovic. Plus Antonio and Wilshere in reserve. It feels a bit like when you're losing 1-0 on FIFA with five minutes to yeah, go and you just sticky, throw all your strikers on the pitch. they 11, 11 yeah. players up front.
1: Well, that is the thing. We've solved it, isn't it? Coming up this year, West Ham are going to win every game 9-6. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio, and tonight we're talking transfers. We're particularly concerned with the Hammers midfield, and we've got a na- another name for you Morgan Sanson, who is a central midfield player for Marseille. 24 years of age, would cost roughly 25 million quid. Is he the right man?
2: I think this one's a more a more interesting one to be honest. I think it's it's come where we were going for the Celta Vigo duo, weren't we? Lubotka and Maxi
1: that's Gomez. That's
2: it, yeah. And the the interest in Lubotka has, by according to all reports, it's, it's cooled off now, and uh, he he's supposed to be more of a holding sort of midfield player, but it just, it just struck me as weird because then the the thing when that went cold, that's when the four nails thing came up, but they're not really comparable sort of players are they whether no. Sanson your pronunciation is much better than mine Johnny. I must have, yeah. <laughs> when uh, when that story came about that made a little bit more sense because obviously the Gomez one um, from Barcelona who was on loan at Everton last year that came and went uh, pretty quickly but that made a bit more sense to me because that bit more of an all round midfielder just ready for when Mark Noble retires in five or six years time
0: <laughs> after 30 England games five or six talking about 10 I I think Morgan Sanson is uh, is um he's a very I think he's a very similar player to to Gomez obviously not as good uh very box to box Are you sure he's not as good Well I mean judging well, I mean I suppose judging by his performances on my uh my West Ham saving football manager about two years ago where I signed him for a pittance and he played 300 games for the club. Oh, and, really? Uh, won about four Premier League titles, a couple of Champions Leagues. You know, he's got a great future at the club. He's <laughs> it, it, already paved the way for it, you know? That
2: was the old recruitment policy at West Ham, wasn't it? If, they, if they're good on football manager, then we'll buy them. But yeah. I don't think Husserloss subscribes to that train of thought. I don't he? Think
0: he does, but, you know, the, the, the only way I know who who Morgan Sanson is is the fact that I signed him on Football Manager once and he was absolutely fantastic for about six years. Um, and he, he did come in just as Mark Noble retired as well, which kind of makes sense.
1: And to be fair, we are joking about the Football Manager thing. We're here going, e- recruitment because of Football Manager. That is a thing. It does Cl- happen. Clubs use Football Manager as a recruitment tool because the game scouts are so widespread, they're so, so in-depth, that actually the fact that Sanson is very, very good in FM... Is relevant actually because more often than not they get it very right.
0: Yeah, I mean the the scouts that they do they do employ to to do to help with their database are very very good football scouts. Um, so yeah, he is a good player, and you know I, I think if we signed him, I don't think fans would be that disappointed. Okay, not a lot of people know who he is, um, but he's he's very very good. He just hope that you know he plays for Marseille. At the moment. you hope that Dimitri Payet might be in his ear going. Over there, mate. You know, it's a good football club. Rather than just don't, don't, they'll turn on you very quickly, mate. (laughs) Just don't tell them you know me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but no, I I think it'd be a good signing. I think it. What kind of player is he? How did you use him in your all-conquering football manager's (laughs) side? I I I used him as a bit as a box to box, but occasionally a deep a a DLP, a deep line playmaker. Support or defend? Uh, always support. Always support. Always support.
1: So, which role do you think he'd play for West Ham? You're looking for a deep line playmaker, really?
0: Yeah, and I think that's the that's the role he'd play. And um, you know, judging by you know his his stats from last season, um, and you know the reviews that he's got I'm just reading reports you know the last couple of days sort of reading about more, more about the player he's like in real life and not on a football manager um, he looks like a player that could fit in quite well uh, alongside Declan Rice Declan Rice can sort of just sit back and sweep up while they can, he can allow uh, Saint-Saëns to, to, you know, so, to play make in front
2: Well he played 37 games scored 5 and got 4 assists from 5th place Marseille last year Not so bad from Zendermed it's, it's
0: not a bad return no, that's not too bad. I mean That's a higher return than either our midfielders. It's a higher return than, than, though, higher
1: return than Four Nils, by the way,
0: on this last season. Yeah, what's and it? you know, Mark Noble, okay, he scored I think he scored five goals, but a lot of those are penalties. So What's your, what's your point? <laughs> He's still I'm a not I'm not, but what I'm not mugging my, my <laughs> It sounds like you don't are. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. All I'm, light, is, yeah. all I'm saying is they've
1: been rude about Mark Noble. Goal,
0: goal, goals from open play. You know, th- th- that's a good return for a like, for, for midfielder from open play. Yeah. No, no, so uh, I'm especially... not for one minute saying that Mark Noble should be out of the team. He should be in the team forever. <laughs> it sounds like you've undermined his achievements
1: here. That's all uh, I'm I,
0: saying. Yeah, I've, I'm sorry, Mark.
1: The police are actually on their way to the studio as we speak <laughs> for crimes against Mark Noble. Let's turn our attentions to left-back and Ali Calderim who is Fenerbahce captain he's been quite impressive in various european outings 4.4 4 million quid release clause
0: sounds like a bargain but do you need a left back yes and if you can bring in Bapa who must still be in his pocket along with him that'd be even better <laughs>
2: <laughs> no you said you you watched him recently didn't you you were quite impressed with his exploits
0: yeah i watched him against france um obviously turkey won 2-0 uh, he kept Mbappe quiet all game, and you know, a lot of people on Twitter noticed that. It was a bit of a hoo-ha on Twitter about you know who's, who's this t- Turkish left back, and it's oh, always being linked with West Ham. It turned out to be the guy that West Ham about to sign for four and a half million quid, and you know I just think you know, we we do we we could do with a little bit of cover. Um, Will's going to hate me for saying this, but I don't I don't see Masuaku. I don't see a future of Masuaku at the club it's beyond much. beyond being a backup. It's fallacy. And I think, far, I think course, Chris, Chris, well, Chris well you know, his injury problems over the last couple of years has really held him back. And I, I don't see Chris well getting back to his best. Um, so another left back, an attacking left back, but one that can defend as well, which is a problem that we've had. Um, uh, all for it. And for four and a half million quid, if it doesn't go well, then, you know, it's not as if we've broken the bank for him.
2: I did. Uh, me and Johnny were actually talking about it on the show last week, and it was really early stages, and he was quite new on the on the scene. And my immediate thoughts on that left back position is, you've just got a. We've got to get rid of one to bring one in. All right, four and a half million quid. Yeah, not a lot of money. We will still have to pay him a fair old whack. Luckily enough, we're in a position where we've got a lot of wages off of the off of the wage bill already. I'm led to believe that some of that has been converted into transfer funds. So far, so it might not be as as huge uh, available uh, wages as as we thought before um but the one thing I would say about him is that you've just got to get rid of one Masuaku and and Cresswell I would get rid of Cresswell he's on considerably more money he, I think there's his form is only going one way at West Ham, isn't it? And
0: not these awful. Does it matter about the money that he's on, though? Well, of course it because does. Because we've already saved about two hundred and fifty grand by getting rid of all the dead wood. Yeah, not including me. <laughs> yeah, how much are you on
2: actually? <laughs> 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 no, but I, I mean it. The, I think Masuaku and Cresswell, are,
0: you know, and I know I joke about King
2: Arthur every week, but he's he's going to be. I think he's on about between forty and fifty grand a week. I think Cresswell's more in the seventy seventy five yeah. region. Yeah, and I think that is that is. Something you should consider when both players really no one expects more than a seven out of ten out of them every week. So I think if you get rid of Cresswell, he's he's been a good servant to the club. I think because otherwise there's no point having three of them on the books because that um the this the he's he's not going the new guy is not going to want no he's not going to come in for no money is he? He's going to want Cresswell's sort of wages if he's if he's coming in for only four and a half million quid.
1: I think it would be a good piece of business, but. Do you not take a risk by getting rid of Cresswell rather than Masuaku? Because there's no guarantee that Kaldurim is going to hit the ground running.
0: Not if he brings Mbappe with him.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's <laughs> absolutely true. There's one for the transfer room, <laughs> and they Mbappe to West Ham. Of course, you can be far more confident that a player is going to hit the ground running if they come from a Premier League rival. On that front, what about Mitrovic? This is Love Sport. I think it's time for a striker. And we spend our lives here on the West Ham Fan Show talking about transfer rumours. But I think in this instance, we can reasonably claim to have started one because we have been talking about the potential of Aleksandr Mitrovic to West Ham for, what, a good six, seven weeks? And only this week, the national press have caught up, frankly, with West Ham World. It's now looking like a very real possibility. And could the Serbian be the answer?
2: I think so. I think I was more talking about him. I remember when it all come from initially, the Arnautovic saga and what was going to happen there and when we were all in the he's definitely going camp. Not sure that's the case anymore with Arnautovic. And therefore, I'm not sure whether Mitrovic is the best option if Arnautovic is staying because I looked at him at the time very much as a bit of a like-for-like like replacement almost. And... Especially with the, the Maxi Gomez story f- still floating around and really not sure what's going on with that at the moment, whether or not he's he's cast iron or or he's changed his mind. No one really knows. But I think if Anatovic stays, we only bring one of them in. That's easy to say. Mm. And I think if I had a choice between the two... And on Altovic is there I'd have to go Gomez because I think Mitrovic is perhaps a bit too similar I couldn't see him playing together.
1: There is another angle to this which is is Maxi Gomez going to come to England? If he comes to England where will he go? We're seeing him heavily linked with Spurs. He's now being linked with Aston Villa albeit by the Birmingham Mail. Uh, but I was speaking to various experts in Spanish football this week on the transfer rumour mill every Monday night 9 till 10 to try and work out how good he is. And one thing that I was told by Nikolai who's based in Madrid and does a lot of work on those clubs there, was that actually the most likely destination for Gomez is looking like Valencia. So if he were to stay in Spain, would you then be happy with Mitrovic? Uh,
0: I think so. It, it, it's a difficult one because, as Will said, you know, if you're bringing him in, then you have to half expect Onatowicz to be leaving. Uh, my only worry about having those, those two players in the same 11 or the same team is that they're very um they they're big personalities and you know they both have a reputation of being a bit hot-headed you know and you know how do you how would you look after a team of two hot-headed strikers vying for a starting starting 11 spot i think it 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 could be a recipe for disaster um, or
1: could they drive each other on
0: they could drive each other on um you know the the worry is? I mean, I've heard stories that you know the tools, um well last season when Fulham were going through a bit of a tough time, um, and it was, what was it? Their, their player Kamaru ended up getting arrested at the training round or, or whatever. Yeah, I
1: think I think not quite arrested, but, but certainly like, there
0: were uh, allegations of bad behaviour. Yeah, um, and apparently it was because. Um, I, I, allegedly, it was because um, Mitrovic had told him to be quiet during a yoga session or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the so, allegation
1: was that they fought during the activity, which is
0: most targeted to relax you. Yeah, and uh, I mean th- the angle I've heard is that it was because uh, Mitrovic told him to be quiet because he was concentrating on his yoga. Good man. Which, which suggests to me that okay, maybe he's calmed down a little bit. I'm frequently May- getting fights at yoga when yeah, people start talking. Yeah, me too, all the time. Yeah, it annoys me. <laughs> but perhaps that suggests that he's you know he's calmed down a little bit yeah. and you know he's not he's not the hot-headed striker that we that we saw at Newcastle
1: he is one though on mitrovic he scores a lot of goals and his all-round work as a striker is exceptional but he is statistically, and it's so blatant when you watch him as well, an incredibly profligate finisher. Fulham created some of the most chances in the Premier League last season. Okay, Mitrovic scored a lot of goals, but for all players who scored 10 or more, he had the worst chance to goal conversion rate. Does that worry you?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I don't know all, I, I'm not, I mean we're so used to having strikers that need 400 attempts on goal before they get one <laughs> so it, it wouldn't be any different it would just be someone that I don't know a little bit more explosive something more exciting um, personally I think if I know how it stays it's probably I think our money could be spent better spent elsewhere but I don't, I don't really know it's, it's a strange one because I like him as a striker I just don't know whether he fits in our team at the moment.
2: I think the Arnautovic situation really hasn't been cleared up, has it? Everyone seems to have sort of settled into the idea that, oh, all right, he's, he's probably staying then. But there hasn't really been... It's almost like because there's been so much talk about it, technically the club confirmed he was staying in January, didn't they? He gave him a new contract and, and that was it. But since then there's been so much talk and almost assumption that well, that was a short-term thing to keep him quiet, and then mm. in the summer, something will happen again. And I think where it's not, and there's no like official word of, of Arnautovic moving on, everyone's kind of, oh, hang on a minute, but but we'll we'll assume that he was, so what are we waiting for?
1: On the most basic level, Arnautovic is 30 years old, Mitrovic is 24. If a Chinese team come knocking, you can get 40-odd mil for Ar- for Arnautovic, bring Mitrovic in for 30-odd, Decent piece of business, similar striker, James, but you've just knocked six years off his age. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I don't know. I think I think Onatovich is the be- better finisher. Yeah, I think that's a good I probably think he true. is the better finisher. Um, and had Onatovich not had his little wobble over January, I think he would have scored more Premier League goals than, than uh, Mitchell this season. I think he probably would have hit more 15, 16 goals rather than just scrape through to double figures at the end of the season because um, he's that good. Uh, okay, he's thirty years old, but he, he is that good. If we can get forty, fifty million for him, then I'd rather I'd rather see us chuck forty, fifty million quid at Maxi Gomez than than go for um, the, the the thirty million quid on uh, Mitrovic. Well, what's your take?
2: I, I I do agree. I like the idea of Mitrovic, and certainly with the with the yoga analogy then that you spoke about, at Fulham. I think that sort of mentality, that's an improvement on and out of it straight away. And although finishing is obviously what what you want from a striker, I so I think he'd be an improvement mentality-wise and as far as the team dynamic goes, I think he would be an improvement there, Mitrovic. And what I also think would be interesting to see as well is him play in a team. If he came to us, that would be the best team he'd played in in his
1: Premier League career. Yeah. Well, in his career full stop actually.
2: Yeah, I obviously I didn't want to assume, but certainly certainly his Premier League career and yeah, in his career full stop. he's got players like Anderson, Lanzini and, you know, who any of these four nails if it is him, creative players behind him you know, he still did well, and he was he was heralded at Fulham last year as as one of their better performers. I and think I'd he'd re- get
1: fifteen plus yeah. in the league for West
0: Ham. I really do.
2: I'd just be really interested to see what he'd actually be like with some some players that can actually play football behind him.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. I think you know, you're right. In, you're right in what you're saying that it will be the best team he's played in uh, in his Premier League career, if not his his entire career so far. And I, can't, I still can't believe he's only twenty four. It feels like he's been around forever. Mm. Um, so yeah he would be a good signing I just I think only if Arnett leaves I think that's absolutely spot on we had an
1: unusual West Ham fan show last week and it was only Will Pugh um, and me I'm making no comment in either direction on it's quality but Will Pugh saw fit to Give it large, I believe, is the technical term. He referred to James Jones as Deadwood, said we didn't miss him. So I'm delighted to say that coming up, James Jones is going to get the chance to get his own back. Will is saying he's come up with some sensational quiz, a test of knowledge, and the Deadwood is coming back to life to blow him out the water. Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And Will Pugh and James Jones of West Ham World are doing a bit of verbal jousting in the break. They're both very, very confident about this quiz. Will, you've written it. Explain the rules.
2: Well, I thought, Johnny, as it's as it's transfer season, silly season as some like to call it, there are those out there who love it and there are others who just switch off and they're bored of it and they, they're not interested. And me and James have had a little bit of a riposte before between us about our knowledge of random and obscure West Ham players, as I do with a lot of my friends. Uh, West Ham have had some peculiar signings come through their books over the years, so I thought we'd do a little a little quiz. So I've got three ex-players here, and I'm not talking ex-players, I'm not talking decanios I'm not talking Joe Coles, I'm not talking Dimitri Payets, I'm talking quite random quite obscure players you'd heard of perhaps look back on fondly perhaps not but I thought I'd go middle of the road this week just to test out James's knowledge so you will have heard of them and then you know if he if he wipes the floor with it then perhaps we'll get a little bit tougher over the next few weeks of the summer
0: all right Let's uh, have a go.
2: Are you both. I mean, feel free to join in as well, Johnny. So you're, right. bo- you're both welcome. I just don't,
0: just don't take my thunder, mate. You know?
2: <laughs> right. So clue number one. So we'll do clues. All
0: right. You've okay. got
2: to get him. This, this man was born on the 17th of March in 1970. I have a word. No? we well, haven't <laughs> oh. got it yet. <laughs> I
1: thought you had good knowledge. You said this was middle of the road. I didn't know we were playing <laughs> name that a birthday. All
2: right. As, as well as the Hammers, he played for Verona, AC Milan and Monaco in his career. Still nothing. He won 40 international caps and featured in World Cups in 1990, 1994 and also Euro 96 in England. Nothing. This 5 foot 10 inch striker played for the Hammers in the 96-97 season and scored two goals from 11 appearances.
1: He's Italian and he's turned up and not done a great deal. Or is just, he must be Italian.
2: Still got some more clues. All right, Go Nothing, on, yeah. Nothing yet, James? You've got me here, Will, to Nothing. be fair. All right. This is... Harry Redknapp declared this golden haired Romanian as one of the worst oh. signings of his career. Florian Radicciu. Florian Radicciu. Well done, James. Clue number five. There was six there. He started his career at Dynamo Bucharest, where the journeyman spent the biggest spell of his career. He scored Romania's only goal at Euro 96, and we signed him from Espanyol for one and a half million quid. And Harry Redknapp eventually got rid of him because he spotted him shopping at Harvey Nichols after he told him he couldn't make a game at Stockport away. <laughs> So uh, Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, I, I thought, remember you'd get, it well. thought you'd get that a bit quicker after his birthday, but <laughs>
0: no such luck. Yeah, he's got the same birthday as 13 and a half other, other players. So.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, uh, player number two. This player was born the 6th of January 1976, I think. His longest spell of his career was with Udinese, and he had two spells at Regina. What? This, this player somehow has six international caps, and was most recently in his career the manager of Lupa Roma. He played for West Ham in the 2008-2009 season and scored four goals from 30 appearances. Diamante. That's close, but no cigar, Johnny. He formed a formidable, in quotes, strike partnership with Colton Cole. D. McKayley. It is David D. McKayley. And is most fondly remembered by me for being the poster boy of the kits that we had which just had the squares on them after XL holidays went bust
0: (laughs) I I did think of Diamante when he was writing them off Mm. um but I thought, no, nah, he's not going to be a man, so, you Because know, he was a fans loved him, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah.
2: The Franco Zola once described Dean he said he should share the fame with the other strikers after he scored a rare goal. But that was the same interview. He said Carlton Cole should get an
0: England cap. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Carlton Cole did get an England cap. He did. He got yeah, a few. Yeah. I, th- I think. I think that's why. But yeah, Zola's Dave, not a manager anymore. And... David
2: D. McKayley was number thirty-two, wasn't he? In the same sort of era that Carlos Tevez was number thirty-two, and he's certainly not a man that, <laughs> that will. I it.
0: should retire 32 yeah
2: I think so not for D. Kalia I guess no no, no, no. no right. right the last one now th- this is a little bit tougher so this man was born on the 8th of June 1974 in Czechoslovakia he featured most in his career for Sparta Prague but also played for their arch rivals Slavia Thomas Repka it's not Thomas Repka oh. come on James come on James Thomas is yeah. a cult hero in yeah. prison at the moment yeah. Thomas <laughs> Repka as well bless him uh, despite being born in Czechoslovakia and having a French-sounding name, this man has 27 caps and two goals for Slovakia.
0: Ooh. Still nothing? Oh, oh, I think I know who it is. This man
2: played 13 times for West Ham in 2002, scored zero goals <laughs> with his rocket of a left foot after being signed for a million pounds. Laban. It is, Vladimir Laban. Vladimir Tell Laban. you what, this has been Do quite, I'm right? I've he,
0: been quite impressed. He, he wore white boots. He did wear white yeah, boots, yeah. yeah. And I'll tell uh, you what, my, my brother loved him. Yeah, I loved him, I yeah. thought he was class, yeah. yeah.
2: and But yeah, the, the vampire sounding man was the first Slovak <laughs> to score a Champions League goal and is now under-16 coach at MSK Zelina. Knowledge. And
1: that is a glamour job, that one. Yeah.
2: And unfortunately, though, he was so insignificant that there's literally zero quotes of anyone related to West Ham talking about him in the media ever. So. Solid solid midfielder. Yeah, I thought he was... Was he a left-back? I thought he was a, a left-back. He left no, back. he's a midfielder. I think, just I think did that, his job yeah it's so, like Hayden
0: Mullins just didn't realise he was on the pitch he was that good
2: but yeah so those, those were my, my middle of the road quizzes I'm calling them but mm. I think you, you did alright on I'm those I'll tell you what
1: those, those are quite good all all right. we, I got them alright
2: yeah you got them all. eventually yeah if, right.
1: if we do this again next week I think we're going to have to go for a bit of audience participation mid quiz if you ring up on whatsapp o two o we'll see if our listeners can beat James to it because I think on that showing I'm not going to if we went after 2005, I'd give myself more of a chance. But those, those earlier ones, I'd, I'd get battered.
2: And I think we get, we'll get tougher as well next week, Johnny, as well. Cause oh. I think James found those a little bit Yeah, It's going to be easy. like,
0: who scored the winning goal when West Ham played Millwall in 1921? <laughs> now, hang on a minute.
1: Our oh. producers just suggested something where next week, James Jones could write the quiz. I'll and do it. Will Pugh would be under pressure.
2: That sounds, yeah. And he I'll could make it viciously hard. Similar middle of the road sort of thing. James is a lot older than me, we've got to remember. A lot older. So he's old. considerably older than me. So we've got to <laughs> factor
1: that in, factor that into proceedings, Johnny, of course. Of course. Behave, you two. I'm bringing this back to our transfer rumours on today's show. The three main names we discussed, Pablo Fornals, Morgan Sanson and Alexander Mitrovic in order which of those is, would be the best signing
2: Fornells I think I'd like Fornells the most I just think he's that depending what happens with Lanzini it sounds like he's really got a lot about him and yeah those low centre of gravity skillful little players ties into Pellegrini style of football it. yeah exactly and, yeah. and I think he would just he would fit what Pellegrini's trying to do and joking around about Lanzini or not I think you know you've got Snodgrass in there you've got Noble in there we had Nazari on the books as well. I think he'd definitely be an upgrade on Nasri. So
0: yeah, I'd like to see him come in big time. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Poor Nels. You know, I think I, I, again I didn't realise he was he was young. He was so young. I thought he was a lot older. And I think that works in our favour a little bit. Pad, um, you know, coming into the Premier League, hungry, creative, can play in that attacking role beyond the striker. If Arnie stays, I mean, the sort of part that Arnie will feed off. Um sort of player that we wanted Lanzini to be last, last season, I think. And, you know, you're right, he's the sort of player as, as Ewan said, that the fans can really get behind and, and fall in love with. And that's what we love at West Ham. We love players that can come in and, and, and really become a bit of a cult hero.
1: Yeah, and he is actually very creative. I feel like we did him a disservice because he was off the boil this season for Villarreal. As you and McTeer mentioned, the entire team was off the boil. They had one of those bizarre seasons where they sacked someone, brought in a different manager and then brought the first guy back, which is when you know a team is properly losing it. He only got three assists then, but in his best season to date in La Liga. He got 12 assists. Now those are good numbers. That that's, was the that's, same as that's Messi pay it numbers. The same as Suarez, serious player. Yeah. Serious, serious player.
2: That's what I, I think gets overlooked quite quickly as well, doesn't it? Well, like you say, it's the same as Messi and the same as Suarez. If you look at the players they've got around them, he, mm. this guy's playing in a team who come 14th. I don't know where they came that year. Yeah, he was, he was assisting
1: about. Cedric Bacambu rather than Luis Suarez. Bacambo's a good player. He's not quite on that level. You'll have to join us next week on the West Ham Fan Show. Maybe we'll have some actual signings to tell you about. See you then.